0: Welcome, you lovelies. It's a wonderful Wednesday for sure with the jam-packed episode of Hell Has a Prison, Act 4. A story written by Red Nova Tyrant. Full of monsters and creatures from Hell, packed full of energy to get the blood flowing. Just a reminder, this is not for little ears. So no kiddies please. And before we sink our teeth into today's tale. I must thank those that support this show, cause they're awesome. Matthew J. Bauer, the Demonic Devourer. Maya, the Queen of Chaos. Divided by Zero, the Monster Lord. I own Cows, he who has bovine strength. And Lee Bower, the Void and Enigma of Darkness. Thank you so much for your support. You lovelies help me source new content and source better music, which you'll hear today. Hope you enjoy it. And my Earl Grey Forces, Chad Warren, Just Heather, Lorraine Cresanto, Mace Joe, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffaelli, Michelangelo Yacone, and Robert Fisher. Thank you all for keeping the lights glowing and the podcast growing. Thank you, mates, for all your support. Now turn off the lights, turn up the sound, and get ready for some demonic warfare. I-I can't do this!" One go cried, huddling on the floor and holding her head. I thought we were just going to be free! I can't die here. I'm needed elsewhere. A suit-wearing cambion seconded. Oh, enough of this. We need to do something. The many-armed green man from before stepped forward. You! Come help me! Three of his hands pointed at me. Huh? Before I could fully respond, he grabbed my arm. You're going to help me." He wasn't afraid, rather he seemed quite angry and just happened to have a stutter. Uh, okay. I scanned across the fighting to look for any easy targets. I pointed out one of the smaller guards. What if you distract that guy with your arms or something, and I- No! He shouted, drawing my target's attention. i uh, 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 i want the kill. Okay, okay, fine. I looked at the guard, now rushing at me. Biting my lip, my mind raced through ways of slowing him down. Looking down at my figure, I realized the answer. Taking a deep breath, I stared down the guard and reached back, throwing my hands through my hair. Slowly, the tension in my stomach disappeared, as that old confidence poured through my veins once more. I stretched my arms upwards, making sure to keep eye contact with the guard. He was still running at me, I wasn't influencing him. The energy began to wobble and fade, so I tried a last-ditch effort. One hand to the groin, another over my breasts. I was far too afraid of what the guard would do if he reached me to become flustered. But my line of sight stayed focused on his, and with a quiet wish for his lust to come out, I released my breath and watched. The eyebrow twitched, the first thing to come, then the stopping of his feet and the slow approach as the guard reached out to caress my cheek. I forced a fake smile to lure him in just a bit closer, but I couldn't hide my shock as his head was twisted around by a fleet of hands. The dark blood splattered across my body as though I tried to wipe the sludge off. I watched the green man pry open the guard's back Each hand rushed inside, gripping organs and muscles alike, then plastered them on the man's body. The green skin began to spread over the bloody body parts, and the man gasped and choked a few times as they were added to his own form. Bones cracked as he snapped off one of the demon's arms, then reached behind him and shoved it into his spine with a grisly snap. Its red skin slowly joined the same shade as his other appendages before he gave me a look. What? What do you want? You did fine. It wasn't the greensman's actions that terrified me. It was the screams still coming from the guard's mouth as he thrashed his head about endlessly, snapping his teeth at the man. Nodding shakily, I returned my gaze to the fight. Rolling the fingers on each hand, I approached the bloodbath as another, guttural scream echoed through the prison. As a mass of bone and hunger, we push our way through Apollyon's holes. I would go to the side and seduce a few guards, inebriating them long enough to be devoured by the stomach monsters or have their bodies torn to pieces by rugged thorny beasts. They frightened me the most. The idea that they were once human was unfathomable. On the off chance there was no one there to help, it was up to me to eliminate the demon I'd enchanted. The first time my throat was so tight that I couldn't breathe in the heated air. I waited and waited, hoping someone would come to my rescue, but it was not to be. His hands slid their way down my arm and around my hip as he mumbled some foul language with equally foul breath. Then he ran his claw against my neck. The car. The darkness. Poor. The mud. The water. Cold like ice sinking into the depths. My hand had already pierced his neck before I snapped out of the recollection. Black demon blood trickled down my arm as he grabbed it, breaking free of my spell. Now both of us were aware of the situation, and the first to act would win. I made sure that he wouldn't be able to follow up anytime soon Clawing out his eyes with my other hand was easy enough. The miserable bastard just lied there as he continued to bleed and grovel on the floor. Slowly we descended the floors, until we were in the main lobby. The residual pain of having charred skin peeling from my body returned, but it didn't last long. Shaking a bit of blood off my claws, I took notice of the many cambions trying to break through the main door and walls. Alas. No matter how many struck against it, or how strong they swung, nothing budged. Many of the more wrathful cambions ignored the spines being driven through their limbs as they bashed their bodies against the walls. The familiar chill of an angel rushed through my body, and I turned to see the cambions, making way for Themuel to approach the door. He brandished a large chain, clinking as he dragged it across the floor. When he reached the blocked exit, with a lightning-fast hand, he whipped the chain against the door. Cracks of light spread over its surface. The door was about to break. Then they resided. Slowly the thin lines faded away and the door was fine once more. I could hear the thousand voices growing louder, more agitated than before. He whipped the door again, to the same effect. A near piercing screech! Erupted from the angel, a pitch so high it made every hybrid in the room flinch. Marcus
1: Zareul.
0: Famuel turned to the back of the crowd. The false one is blocking our way. Two more waves of icy goosebumps rippled through my form, and from the corner of my eye, I saw them. Two more fallen ones glided across the room. One with a pitcher in hand, the other with many steel bands around his arm. Plaza Samuel, you have my wine. One of the angels answered in a lighter voice than the others I'd heard. A female. Thank you, Samuel, and of you, my Samuel gestured to the last angel as he took his chain and straightened it out. Let us be done with this lock already. The third answered, lifting his right forearm to show the bands, now turning and shifting. If one could describe a voice as infernal, this was a prime example. He snorted and huffed with a voice that barely passed grumbling. Famuel nodded, then looked to Zarul. She pressed her smoky face to the pitcher and whispered rapidly, then poured what looked like the blood of demons over the chains. Machias straightened his arm toward the door, and the bands began to spin faster, rotating in one direction before stopping on a dime and turning the other way. My spine turned to ice a third time, stronger than the others. But it was the breath on my neck that made me turn to see them. Many more had come, all standing solemnly and still. The collective voices drilled into my mind, and I couldn't help but grab my head. Falling to my knees, I saw the rest of the cambions collapse as well, even the coat-tailed ones. Once standing tall and proud, bowed their heads to the fallen angels. I tried to stand up as hard as I could, but some force kept me from doing so. Despite staying still, I grew dizzy by the multitude of thousand voices. And so my eyes shifted their gaze to the door. The tip of the solid chain that Famuel wielded was pushed into the door and the band had expanded on Marcius's arm, with pieces flying off and orbiting around the circles, and then there were the ghosts. Endlessly the apparitions of the other angels rushed the door, with fading echoes of their positions following behind. The forms slammed against the large demonic block, and with time, the cracks began to return. Their hue had changed from white to red, and splintered through the surface of the door much more quickly, My conscious started to flicker, with the air being overwhelmed in heat and power, and just before I collapsed for good. Crack! The door shattered, just like the cell doors had. Pieces of steel broken like glass rained down, and the aura subsided. Slowly we stood again, shaking our heads and rising to our feet, gazing in horror at the angels that were stepping through the wall. That little demonstration spoke gravitas. Do not fuck! with the devil's brothers. But even they had to pause when the growling came. It started low, yet louder than usual, reverberating against the rough interior of Apollyon. Then the sound of crumbling stone followed. The prison wall to the left of the doorway began to lift, just a bit at first, before exploding violently, sending pieces of rock everywhere, One scratched my arm, but other cambions took full chunks of the head or body. Even the angels backed their way into the entrance hall. And once the dust settled, I could see why. The thing stood like a gorilla, about half as tall as the person itself. Massive veins pumped glowing crimson liquids down its grotesquely muscular appendages, dark as night in color. The outer layer of its limbs shifted randomly between scales and flesh, like the flickering of flame. Claws and sharp bones were heavily exposed, with blood pouring down its frame like evil waterfalls from where they pierced its flesh. The crusted shackles around its limbs were shattered and loose, the chains broken and whipping around with the beast's movement. The insidious roar I'd come to know sounded as the devourer opened its greatly fanged mouth and I felt a rush of both fear and vigor watching it charge across the large open field that led to our way out. The Cambions growled in unison and followed the monster as the front wall of Apollyon collapsed around us. For the first time in possibly decades, I set foot on the dusty ground outside of the prison. I felt the increased temperature of fire and lava alike and heard the thunder of crackling above. And blocking the final gateway out, The small hole in the towering wall of metal were the remnants of prison guards, various other demons, and Mephistopheles himself. Mephisto did not focus on us small creatures. Instead he huddled his body nearly into a shape. Calling on some form of power, streams of energy flowed through the cracks in the ground towards him and he began to grow. His deep red complexion grew darker still until his body matched the hue of a starless night sky and was the same size as the monstrous devourer that was rushing for him. He grabbed the behemoth by its horns and began throttling around with it. I ran through the ashes and blood with Marquis and some other inmates. Demons would rush us every few moments, I would lull as many as I could into blissful ignorance while one coattail would humble the rest, exerting an aura of dominance I had never seen before. I even saw him manage to turn one demon against his own kind a few times. The rest would carve up our foes and toss them to the stomach mouths, who happily chomped down on the hellspawns, turning them into a slurpy mess of gore and broken bones. Marquis put his bands to good use, smashing into the face of the guards with rusted knuckles. he scraped the metal back and forth sometimes, grounding down the bridge of the nose so it would tear the eyeballs to pieces. And as for myself, I began to rely less on others. I wasn't their problem, so why should I expect them to protect me? My claws were the easiest to use, but I tried ripping out throats with the spikes of my scaly forearms. Them constantly screaming due to their residual consciousness inside the bodies, When broken, eventually went from gruesome to annoying, and I even went after the vocal cords of a couple to specifically shut them up. Just before reaching the gate, one large demon broke free of my charm. With a single backhand I was sent sprawling back, the air knocked out of my lungs. Just as I'd come to figure out, the others did not bother with me. Not even Marquise cared enough to help, or Thamuel. I was easily replaceable in Lucifer's eyes. A heaviness landed on my heart, and I looked up to see the demon that hit me, grinning wide and lifting its mace above its head. Come, Come here, here, darling. A tender voice grazed my ear, and the demon immediately turned away from me to stumble towards the source of the voice. I got up and looked as well. It was another Cambion, like me, but like the massive devourer. She was much darker in tone, her scales shimmered against the fire, and she moaned deeply as the hellspawn approached. What What a big big boy boy you are. Her slender arms wrapped around him and he embraced her equally. I could see his head turn to kiss her neck, and as she lifted her head to do the same, I finally saw the difference between us. The wells of midnight malice that stared back at me as she sank her fangs into the demon's shoulder. What was more terrifying was his reaction, or lack thereof. She scratched the flesh away from his sides and dug into his stomach, while dusty streams of light poured away from his body and up her arms into her own. She knocked him down and reached inside, yanking and pulling until she managed to crack the ribcage open, feasting on his innards, while the demon's soul was absorbed. All the while, with the grandest smile on that Hellspawn's face. The smile of that black-stained teeth and abyssal eyes torched their way into my memories, and I found my way to my feet, leaving the Devourer to a meal. I hastened to catch up to the rest of the Cambions, but deep down, the furnace had been fueled. They had abandoned me. They left me behind to be put back into that rotting shithole and one of them could have easily taken care of that guy, but no. They only cared about themselves. So, if they laid the groundwork, they better not be hypocrites. Two guards tried to stop me from slipping past the door, but they couldn't do anything once they couldn't see me. I shook my hands, flicking the gooey spheres off my claws. Then sprinted for the boat, avoiding all of the suffering demons along the way. Marquis and Zaruel were there, and the other cambion had begun to close the gates. I pushed my muscles as hard as I could and managed to leap into a group of cambions just as the gates were locked. The ones I'd flattened began to yell and cuss me out, if they could still remember a human language, but a flick of the blood-drenched claw and an equally angry look back would halt and defuse those reactions. The boat slowly began to float away. Most people watched the ongoing battle, the rampaging war between Mephisto and the Great Devourer came beyond and demons alike falling from the edge of the aisle. Lightning continued to boom across the sky. It hadn't changed since the day I first arrived. The same swirling clouds, all focused around a point somewhere on the main cylinder land of Hell. Cold struck me, and they turned to face Samuel. I wasn't afraid, not fully. I'd gotten used to the chill. Once of- you are to go where the clouds convene." He ordered. That is where you find your way to the surface. Before I could respond or not, he turned away and hovered back over to the front of the ship. By the gate we'd be exiting, on with Zeruel and Famuel. The boat rocked hard as it landed on the main island, making the inch deep puddle of sludge at our feet ripple and lap against our ankles. The two demons on the shore were certainly surprised to see us rushing off the boat. But no one expected the metal blades that were forced through their chests. Dangling about, I watched as a familiar angel tossed the two monsters off of his blades. Rakhael and his bladed gauntlets. The gate opened. Cambion flooded the mainland, all running off in different directions. I gave Rakeel a look as I passed. He only seemed to stare back quietly. Even his rapid tongue was sullen, like the flapping wings of a hummingbird. Many of the Cambions went back to where we had first fallen into hell. Others began terrorizing humans and demons alike. I took the ensuing chaos as an opportunity to avoid as many fights as possible. With my eyes to the sky, I crept my way across the barren torched world, trying to navigate around creatures and crevices alike hiding behind pillars of darkened stone and cauldrons of flame. On occasion I'd be noticed, but each seduction now only reminded me of those bottomless eyes and bloody smile of the devourer I'd witnessed. One demon got lucky after breaking free from my spell. My resets at Apollyon usually avoided the eyes directly. This one got his claw stuck in mine, so I returned the favour whilst howling in pain. Though my hand grew wet with our blood and my eye was ruined, that was not what pushed my heart deeper into despair. The bloodstains were back, and I could not tell whose was whose. I couldn't tell you if there were tears mixed in the sanguine stream from the empty socket, but there were certainly some spilled from the other eye. Clutching my eyehole, I stumbled over the jagged stones of the umbral plains, trying to work my way to where the clouds converged. With time... I found myself underneath the eye of the spiral. The center of the sky snaked upwards like a red tunnel, and directly below it was a large set of circular steps to a platform. Demons were lined up and slowly ascending the steps, approaching an altar at the top. A large devil skull was carved into the cliff that loomed over the zone. Staying behind one of the many stones fencing this strange area, I watched one demon turn and gesture to the others, before stepping onto the final layer. Yet another fallen angel guarded the altar, and held in his hand a large staff. Thorns trickled down its length, sourced from the bronze disc that adorned the top. The two talked for a moment, the staff was raised, and a sudden wind began to blow all around me. It felt like a vacuum tried to suck me in towards the angel and the demon, and with one good eye I could see the hellspawn being carried off by the gale, flailing wildly around as it entered the tunnel in the sky and disappeared from sight. I not back down, deciding to just wait out, until the demons lessened in numbers, if not gone altogether, to get onto the altar. That's when they came, yet again. Fading in like faulty television screens, I witnessed each demon in that line meet their end by the hand of one angel each. A blade through the torso, blunt force to the head, and other gruesome fates were delivered in that moment. When the body fell into the ashes, the fallen angel began to spread out forming a perimeter between the fence of rocks. The gatekeeper kept their post and one other angel approached me. The blades retracting back into its gauntlets gave away the angel's identity. Raquel. he caught my arm as I stumbled out from behind one of the spires, hurrying me along to the altar. We have cleared the path for you to leave this place. The rest is in your hands. It was the only sentence he ever spoke to me, and it was probably for the best. Where Marquis may have been grueling and devilish, I'd forgotten the coldness of Raquel, in the only other word he'd spoken. If I hadn't been so occupied or in so much pain, I would have taken the time to think about the effects these angels' voices had on other beings, myself included. I carefully ascended the layers of the altar and arrived before the gatekeeper. She looked upon me from every direction, Clearly not used to seeing a Cambion. Champion of our highest brother, she began. Today you begin a path to bring more members of humanity under the canopy of his six wings. You should know well that though they will be the ones punished for their sins, you will be the root initiator. For our sins, they will suffer. Do you accept this fate? To make others sin? That's what I would be doing? Making others sin too, unknowingly save the whole? I looked up at the tall-cloaked creature and nodded, slightly, still holding my bleeding eyes. Yes. Yes. I I understand. The angel tilted her head, then pushed away my hand with her staff. The release of pressure brought on the return of pain, and I winced as she inspected it. She then jested behind me, and before long... Another familiar being stood by me, Zaruel. Sister Zaruel, please heal this one with your waters. The gatekeeper whispered. As you wish, Sister Lorendil." Zaruel raised her pitcher to her face, and just as before her thousand voices spoke at the speed of light. Its contents were spilling onto my face before I could even react. But by impulse I screamed when the burning began a black cross formed over the left side of my face, and once the pain had subsided, I felt the gentle yet freezing fingers of Laurentel breaking the charcoal apart and cleaning my face. It was very blurry, but I could see the shades of red and brown common to the realm, and a grey mass where the angels stood. Know this came beyond, Laurentil continued, that should you ever be overwhelmed by guilt for your actions, You will be dragged back down here, into the depths, for failing to keep your resolve intact, and there shall be retribution to pay for doing so. Corrupt well, and be gone. Laurentil raised the staff, and a quiet breeze carrying dust across hell turned into another maelstrom. I lost my footing, and was swept up in an instant, unable to control my body orientation as I flew up into the storm clouds, it reminded me of the helpless unrest I'd experienced back in Napoleon, within the shifting cells. I craned my neck and caught a glimpse of the ground below. Swarms of demons were rushing the altar, and the fallen angels were each watching over a separate direction. My gaze went in the other direction, to the dark hole at the end of this spiralling tunnel. The rugged edges of stone began to give way to darkness, and though my eyes were wide open, there was nothing to see as I fell through the sky. I awoke with water lapping against my head. For a brief moment, as I opened my eyes, I thought it had all been a dream. Some horribly long, freakish nightmare that had never truly happened. I stayed still, staring at the sky above me. I took in the cool air, watching the clouds roll by, patches of blue interrupting the otherwise continuous flow of puffy vapor. I might not have been home or back on the university grounds, but it was Earth. Back to the real world. And if I resisted the urge to ever look at myself, I could have kept the illusion going. Not knowing whether I was back in my old skin or was still infested by scales and teeth, I could stay blissfully ignorant. Reality set back in once I confirmed the nature of my experiences. Trying to run a sharpened fingernail along my scaled forearm only brought more shock as it passed right through. I flipped my hands over and back again, staring at both sides for an answer. Standing up, I could see the trees of the forest through my hand. Walking ashore, I saw every stone perfectly clear through my foot. I had been dropped in the middle of nowhere, but at least it was earth. Turning around, I saw an old asphalt road next to the lake and started walking. It was strange. I'd forgotten what this kind of quietness was like. There obviously wasn't the ambient screams of humanity's damned, singing in synchronized agony, but it was the empty void of sound from my cell. There was that little whistle of breeze through the pines, the cawing of some bird in the distance, and on that road I felt more alone than I'd ever felt in that prison. I was so entranced by it all, I'd forgotten that I was free, free from that dark abyss, Perhaps my unconscious was still weighed down by the task at hand, but any time I would grow concerned, I simply remember what I was doing it for. The good of mankind. They needed me. I was the only one who could do it. They would thank me if they knew. Help, even. It wouldn't be that bad. My heart must have become part demon as well, for it swallowed those lies with unquestioned glee. The sun began to set, and soon after all light vanished. It seemed my time in the dark had come in handy. I didn't have army goggles level of night vision, but I could certainly see better than I had as a human. Still, all I could make out was the old road beneath my feet, and the shadowy outlines of the first rows of trees on either side of me. I heard the rustling of night creatures in the bushes, and was startled for a moment by a few sets of eyes looking back in my direction. The trickling flow of water danced on the stones and roots of the forest. The air smelled of greenery. All was calm. Eventually the woods began to grow thinner, and the road came to an intersection with a red blinking light. A sign of nearby civilization. There were no stars or bright full moon in the sky to comfort me this night, so onwards from the light I walked, until it was but an uncanny sight from some distance away. One thing I did notice was a lack of feeling in my feet. It didn't feel as though I was pressing my bare soles and heels against rough pebble-covered asphalt, but just a smooth surface. Town was first visible when the sky began to glow again, down in the shadow of a little mountain. Even though I had expected it, not being noticed by the townspeople felt odd. I mean, here I was, this scaly she-demon thing, wandering around some town in the middle of nowhere and not one head turned towards me. No eyes went wide in fear, no shrinking mouths, just people living their normal daily lives. With demons clinging to their backs, arms and claws dug into their hosts, the monsters were just as transparent as I was. Most were holding their human with a good grip, some more tightly, others with a more loving embrace, and a few were barely hanging on for dear life. The majority of them gave me some dirty stares. They knew something was up if a cambion was wandering about the surface. I rubbed my eyes and tried imagining the people without the creatures on them. But it was just impossible. They were still there, whispering into the ears of passerby, feeding lies to the void. I was worried they might hop off their humans and hunt me down, or dig down into the earth to alert Mephisopheles about my presence but instead they stuck to their roles and continued plaguing mankind with their poisoned words. So after a little while I started trying to figure out how to get to the space elevator. Humanity's second tower of Babel. My first thought was to try a bar or something. There was sure to be some kind of information there. And if it was so close to being completed, there'd be some buzz about it there. It didn't take me too long to find the place, But by natural instinct, when I tried to open the door, my hand simply swept through. Stumbling forward, I found myself floating just above the floor on the bar on my stomach. I was surprised. Less about being able to go through the door, but more so that it didn't feel like anything special at all. No different than walking through an empty room. Looking around, I saw a different kind of group than I was used to. It was the early birds, the coffee drinkers, the old men who met every morning in their usual spot in the corner of the building, talking loud enough for everyone else to hear them. There wasn't the dirty smell of sweaty dudes blended with two cups of hops, the tired laughter that came after the end of another 9 to 5 shift, but this meant their information would be more reliable, and not twisted by the effects of alcohol. I took a seat at the bar and waited. I could hear the demons murmuring quietly to their humans, but on occasion a conversation would arise between themselves, wondering what I was doing here. A glance in their direction, any sign of interest in what they were saying, and they'd go back to their jobs, silent unless corrupting their person. From the people in the bar, I heard murmurs about the elevator. There was word about a site up north towards Lake Michigan that made my current location easier to figure out. The TV news offered the most information. There was video footage of the monstrous building, but on the screen it looked like one large tunnel that disappeared into the ground. There were many wires supporting the structure and an entire facility surrounding it. The reporter claimed that the top would function as both a pit stop for space stations to switch out work crews and as a spaceship assembly location and launch zone. Though some features of the elevator were still on the works, They were attempting to put together their first shuttle on the station. There were apparently a few other elevators in the works in Russia, and the East Asian Alliance as well. But that America's progress was the furthest by far. A few of the demons beside me snickered. I got up from my spot and turned to leave, though they never noticed. Their demon cursed me off after I bumped into them. I ignored the being and left. Floating through the door again, I finally noticed a feeling of some kind. It was like holding your breath in the shower when watching your hair. Not suffocating, but a slightly startling lapse of oxygen flow. The ground still felt smooth to walk on, regardless of its texture. I thought more about seeing what was possible in this spirit-like form, and hopped off the wooden porch of the bar. My feet never touched the sidewalk. Instead, my toes hovered just an inch or two over its surface. My balance felt off, though I couldn't fall. I was floating, without the feeling of being suspended or tugged in some direction. Laughing nervously, I moved my leg to step forward. I stayed on the spot. One bead of ghostly sweat formed on my forehead. I tried to step forward again, nothing. I tried the other leg, no movement. My mind shifted to why the demons never got off their humans. Was this why? Did they know about getting stuck like this? Could I break free? I was moving fine earlier, why couldn't I now? My breath quickened and my heart went to fourth gear. I tried to ask passing citizens for help, but of course no one could hear me. I tried grabbing onto one to drag me away, but I was swiftly kicked off by their demon, who laughed mockingly (laughs) as it steered away. They all laughed. They knew something I didn't. Easy, Hella. You're overreacting. (sighs) I sucked in a large breath of mountain air and let it go. (sighs) Whether it actually entered my lungs or not is another question, but the action helped me calm just a bit. I began stretching and moving my limbs around in strange ways, hoping to find some answer eventually. After, swimming through the air wasn't an option. I found the air when straightening my leg muscles like walking on tiptoes. My body suddenly began to float forward, toes aimed at the ground. I relaxed my legs and repeated the action. I moved again. Curious, I pulled my toes back towards me and I started flailing as I was sent backwards. It was a weird system, but one that worked with time. So they weren't laughing because I was doomed. I just looked like a complete moron. I glared at one passing by, still smoking rudely at me. I stole the wicked smile from its face and gave a wave before gliding off, leaving the demon behind in a bewildered state. I had spent enough time in town and immediately made my way for the highway. I followed the signs that led north and around the mountain, floating along the side of the road. Despite being dead already, that old common sense of a human stayed intact. By leaning forward I found I could move faster. And so I drifted alongside transfer trucks and cars alike through the forest roads. Each time one would pass, I would whisper to them. Even if they couldn't hear me, I wanted them to know that I was going to save them. They were going to be okay. Once I was around the mountain, I could see it. Last night, it had been blocking the elevator, but now it was quite clear to view. It was an odd sight just a large straight line cutting through the sky with little orange lights that slowly went on and off. Nothing was as tall as the tower, and the top just blended into the overcast sky above. Only having to straighten the muscles in my legs meant I required less breaks. It was still strenuous to stay so stiff for so long. So I closed the distance on the elevator quickly, and each day, the structure only appeared more menacing, as if challenging me to topple it over. The news report didn't do the place justice, There wasn't a single area on pause at the facility. Bodies and trucks were in constant motion, coming and going from many places, and a lot of guards. My human nature came back up for a moment as my butt cheeks clenched, seeing them walk around with guns and full body armor, releasing a held breath. I remembered yet again that I was ghostly and wandered towards the stronghold. The tower itself was placed in the center of the compound, and just one look easily showed that it wasn't just for carrying people. Its diameter had to be that of three house lengths, and was not cylindrical but rectangular in nature. Each side had a large door, and leading to that door was a steel bridge that travelled over a large crack that surrounded the structure. It seemed odd that they would have such a hole around the elevator, but walking into its edge I saw why. The tower has also been built somewhat into the earth, with a great many support beams keeping it still. Looking down brought an ugly feeling in my gut, and when I realized why, the feeling grew even stronger. I backed away from the demon hole slowly, trying to begin my plan to tear this bridge to heaven down. The monstrous height certainly fought against my confidence, standing over me like a god itself. Forest had been clear-cut for miles around, offering a wide open space around the complex, Empty and quiet. I walked the facility grounds for the day, watching them continue reinforcing the elevator and sending things up to the station at the top. I saw hundreds of people leaning over desks in the office department, filling out paperwork and taking calls. There were metal workers and contractors and workmen galore in the workshop, putting together pieces of a shuttle and tower alike. And every single one of their demons were grinning ear to pointed ear they knew that the tower almost had enough support to make it stable enough for a demonic invasion, if humanity saw it stable enough to send spaceship parts through. One day, I decided to go up the elevator with a load of parts. A crew of workers surrounded a part of the new shuttle's fuselage, and armed guards were sent with them. At first I wondered why the guards were there, but I was lucky enough to witness the answer. One of the workers inside the elevator turned towards the top covered load and proceeded to scream in a different language, my best guess would be Russian, as he drew a device from his shirt, before he could activate whatever terrible plot he'd prepared. There were three suits of armour tackling him to the ground and cuffing him before escorting him away. The demons were all arguing with a terrorist creature, who screamed back at all of them how he had- TRIED MY HARDEST. The elevator was shut down for a few days after that. Everyone was getting double checked all the time. The tension in the air was palpable, and the lack of work towards further stabilization of the elevator pissed the demons off quite a bit. When they finally decided to use the elevator again, there was no load or object going up, only people. The trip was slow, and at a certain point up the shaft, the lift came to a stop, at this layer. There were suits and helmets ready for them, and each got dressed in preparation for working in space. Once they were ready, the lift started again. As I looked around, I watched the demons shift and groan as though they were uncomfortable about something. I learned soon enough where their annoyance came from. Not long after the elevator started again, a searing pain spread from the roots of my hair to the calluses on my feet. I huddled over in pain as flashes of light erupted before my eyes, and I could hear the screams of the other damn souls around me. None of the humans so much as moved, but I was screeching on the floor, begging for the rapid visions of gold and quartz building to stop. Through the piercing wails and the loud noises smashing in my brain, I heard a garbled thousand voices speak. Those who failed their father. SHALL NEVER ENTER enter THIS this kingdom. KINGDOM. When I came to, the elevator was beginning its descent with a different group of workers. They were swapping out. I braced for the Return of Heaven's Firewall and managed to stay awake throughout it this time. Dizzied and hurt, I floated off the elevator and let the tears flow for a bit. The snickering of passing demons couldn't add to the pain of being reminded of my citizenship in hell. Returning to Earth had really made me a mess. After the pain ceased and some more exploring, I finally discovered a flicker of hope for my plans. While searching around one of the warehouses, I came across two guards talking to one another. Their conversation came to a close as a third man approached from down the hall, wearing more of a clean-cut uniform than a Kevlar suit. And this is where Act 4 will end for now. Well, talk about roller coaster ride. From trying to survive to escaping, then to learning the new rules that you must abide by when on Earth as a spirit. Hella is certainly in for a challenge, especially since she's facing an angel and heaven's firewall, both crippling her and keeping her out. I wonder how Hella is going to get around this, but she was chosen for a reason. So let's see what she's got. Thank you all for listening. I hope you have or have had a wonderful Wednesday, and stay tuned for this Friday for the final act of Hell Has a Prison, and see how Hella saves humanity, or not, we'll see. Stay awesome, and as always, till next, we meet.